Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Salute everyone. Welcome, welcome to the program. MMA Weekly with myself, Jeff Dan, Austin. We are in the building together. Oh man, Shadan, how are you, bro? I'm great. I'm great. We had a weekend of awesome events. Awesome. It was fireworks everywhere. History was made in the UFC. And um, like we say, man, with, with all these uh, answers we get on Saturday night, it just gives us more questions to ask during the week. So that's what we're here for. But, um, you know, salute to the chat and salute to everyone on the panel. Austin, how you doing, man? All right. All right. Awesome. Now, folks, before we get started, this program is also available on audio form. Please listen to us on, on our podcast forms and on Anchor FM, Spotify, uh, BeanPod, Reason FM, and Breanspout. Dot com. All those, you could take this program on the go, and those that are listening in those different platforms, we appreciate you supporting the Bronx Sport Jedi Network and the MMA Weekly Program with these two young men. We're ready to break things down, and let's go right to the, the uh, meat and potatoes. History was made. History was made in the UFC with four women fighters winning 50,000 bonuses. I'm going to throw the question. What are your thoughts, Austin, right away with that one? Eh, I mean... They deserved it. That's all. They deserved it. Nothing too much to add. I mean, the fights. Nothing not much to add in my opinion. Okay. Did you have Dan? Um, in my opinion, I feel like uh, this was coming a long time. I've been saying it for a while. Me personally, I felt like the women fighters of recently have been putting on a lot more uh, exciting shows. And I, I even want to delve into it with the main event that happened uh, over this weekend. But they've been a lot more technical and a lot more, you know, a lot more willing to gamble. So uh, this was this was definitely a long time coming, and deservedly so. Congratulations to those ladies. Awesome, awesome. With that said, go ahead. Lead us right into the first fight. Okay. Uh, 
I guess uh, you want to start main event down or just start off? Uh, main event down. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, main event, yeah, women's strawweight battle between six ring Marina Rodriguez and fourth ring Mackenzie Dern as Marina Rodriguez wins this fight by unanimous decision. 49-46 on all three judges' scorecards. And Marina Rodriguez did a very good job fighting. I mean, she she survived uh, Mackenzie Dern's takedown. Well, submission attempts, considering Mackenzie, we all know, has one of the best, probably the best submission of the strike division, if not of all female MMA, in jiu-jitsu. And she was able to, you know, survive that and be able to pick, stuff a lot of Mackenzie's takedowns and was able, you know, hit her with some shots. There were times where she, she hit Mackenzie a couple of shots. So I was like, ooh, I was kind of worried that Mackenzie might get dropped, but she didn't. Can't show some heart, some heart, some toughness in this fight. But in the day, Marina Rodriguez controlled the fight, and did, you know it was, it was her fight, and she gets the victory. But also, also me personally, I thought that second round was a 10-8 personally for Mackenzie Dern, but it doesn't matter anyway. She still lost, you know, because Mackenzie had two submission attempts in that round. That's what I meant by surviving Mackenzie's um, submission attempts, because in that second round she was really, you know, going for submissions. Marina looked like she was in trouble. But with that, this is a big victory for Marina Rodriguez being. You know, a girl in the top five and puts her one step closer to a tower shot. What are your thoughts on this fight, um, Dan? Um, I agree with you in some parts, and some parts I disagree. Um, this wasn't completely Marina uh, Rodriguez's uh, fight. I felt like this was Mackenzie Dern's fight to lose. I said that in the preview, and we even saw that within the first two rounds when um, Marina, when Mackenzie decided to stay on the feet with marina that first round it was a 10-9 clearly uh we saw that uh mckenzie could not land anything really in that first round i believe the significant strike count for that round was 11 to 0 and you know we we just saw she didn't have a good a good idea of where her range was and you, we even saw that later on in the round where she started looping her shots and kind of throwing them from the outside instead of going for straight jabs. But that comes with the experience of being, uh, you know, uh, an experienced striker. Um, the second round, I, I agree with you completely. I felt that that was a 10-8 round by Mackenzie Dern. And that's where we saw the difference in the fight. If it stayed on the feet, there was a 10-9 possibility for uh for Marina. But if it went to the ground, it went 10-8 for Mackenzie Dern. So now it was all about Mackenzie Dern's approach on how to get Marina to the ground. Marina had great takedown defense. She had great defense within the clinch, but there were some moments where she was slipping up because Mackenzie was able to put enough pressure. She was able to mix in enough pressure with her striking in order to get it to the ground, in order to get those convincing moments for herself. Um, Marina did end up winning this because fatigue does come into uh, play and you do start each round standing up. And that was a disadvantage for Mackenzie Dern is that she had to start each round standing up. And so she had to find a new way to try and take down Marina. And she just, you know, I guess you, you may have a, a myriad of ways to get someone down, you know, if you're just going straight for shoots. But with Marina, she was such a skilled striker 
that McKenzie had to find a way to mix in pressure, striking, and shooting. And if she didn't have the way to mix in all three of those things, because, you know, uh, footwork comes into play, you know, little elements like those. But if she didn't have the perfect way to mix in those things, then that's what way that's what made it uh, Marina's fight. I, I'm, I don't want to take away credit from Marina because she won the fight through and through because she was the more accurate, more, you know, more accurate uh, striker. And she had a lot of power, but there were a lot of, there were a lot of powerful shots that um, Marina was letting go that Mackenzie had just enough ability to slip, especially her right hand. I felt like uh, Marina kept letting go of that right hand and she didn't land it as much as she wanted to. But all in all, a very technical and great fight. Uh, Kev, what do you thought? What were your thoughts on the fight? No, you 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 illustrated it perfectly there. My question, when I had a question for yourself and Austin, if this fight was not a main event that went five rounds, do you think Mackenzie wins this fight because no. of the the short? No, no, okay, it's driven draw our, our way if it's three rounds. Okay, I I can't say that for sure. Okay, because right. if you have a, a a shorter amount of rounds, then you have uh, Mackenzie Dern who's more willing to, you know, let go of the gas tank and be more aggressive. Her uh, her corner, great, excellent corner. This is something else I wanted to add in. Her Jason corner, I, huh? No, not her coach, Jason Perillo, you're talking about, right? Jason Perillo, excellent coach because he kept pointing it out to McKenzie. It's like, hey, when you add pressure and she backs up, that gives you your best chance. You just have to know when to you know, when to pressure, you have to see those moments and capitalize. It's there for you, but you have to capitalize. He was, it was excellent coaching all throughout the fight between him. And I couldn't understand Marina's coaching. So I couldn't say if he was providing it, but Marina did enough to win the fight. So we can only say that things went right on her side. But if it was a three round fight, I don't know. I, I'd say you have a Mackenzie Dern who's more willing to let go of that gas tank early to go into, you know, those grappling situations. And though she was going for submissions, I think at the end of the day, what she really wanted to do, and we saw her make this attempt throughout the five-round fight, was just pin Marina's arms down with her knees and just go straight for striking. Right, right. right. That, that I noticed that as well there. Um, you want to anything? Um, well... Yeah, you mentioned the five rounds, three rounds. This is Marina Rodriguez's second five round fight because her last fight she made a bang against Michelle Warson. I went to the decision and she won that fight. This was Mackenzie's first five round fight for her career, yeah, her career basically. So yeah, that's something to point out also. And I think I think experience played a part in this fight because Marina may have been already uh, <clears throat> a show already just a few months earlier. So I want to throw that out there as well. Just were mentioned five three rounds. Okay. okay. With that said, uh, do we want to? I think we concluded that that main event, one fight of the night bonus. She won, you know, well deserved. And we go to the co-main event, the welterweight bout. Uh, we have featured Randy Brown versus Jared Gooden. You know, in a really good battle there. Um, I was looking forward to that. I I, I got uh, polarized towards Randy Brown. You know, just something is I like coming into the fight, and I was watching it and. You know, we all saw the, the uh, unanimous decision one, 30-27, uh, 30-27, 30-27. All three judges by uh, the winner uh, for the contest, Randy Brown. Um, Chef Dan, what's your thought on that on that fight, that co-main event? This is very, very interesting. 
makes me want to see more of Randy Brown because he, I don't know, he had every right to lose this fight. And when I say he had every right to lose this fight, like that's a weird, that's a weird way to say it. But looking at the circumstances of the fight, I mean, the first round, he either like it was either the 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 clean front kick that he landed on Jared Gooden, or it was a kick that maybe where he jammed his toe into the uh, cage. So on one foot, on one, I believe his right foot, he has a jammed toe that's really you know hampering him so he can't really put his weight on his right foot and then his left foot is, his left leg is getting eaten up by leg kicks uh, he, he's just getting eaten up by leg kicks from Jared Gooden so you have him really the longer fighter who you know you see him he's because he's so long and he's throwing in the kicks his you know the mixing of the weapons that he provided you know but because he was hampered from the waist down as far as movement, he had every right to lose this fight. And Jared Gooden is no slouch. He was a very, very powerful striker, and he was not settling. He had great defense, knew to slip some punches. But overall, Randy Brown, man, he was just, he was just the more accurate striker. And, you know, it all throughout the rounds, whenever there was a moment where you felt like he was fading a little, he was able to land a, a, a maybe a one-two or land a, 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 a you know a front kick uh, to to Jared Gooden's chest that just changed the complexion right back to his fight. So he always had an ability to control the fight. Um, I'll, I'll go right back to it due to the you know the the hampering of his uh, you know ways down. He had every right to lose this fight, but he didn't. And the one thing I feel that, you know, he kept that kept him in the fight that he felt was an insult to him was that Jared Gooden did not make weight for this fight. And he was very, very, very upset about that. So I think that, you know, he would not allow himself to lose to a fighter that didn't discipline themselves enough to make weight for the contracted bout. And I think that's what kept him into the fight, along with the fact that he was just so accurate and so fluid, so good. Someone I really want to see more of as well. Uh, what were your thoughts, Kev? I should throw to Austin. Uh, on oh. that. Yeah, let's throw to Austin. <clears throat> You're right here. Yeah, every reason to lose. You mentioned the, the toe injury. I mean, it was like bad. During the fight, you can see he was using his other foot to try to like, fix his toe in place. And if you watch the fight, it was like you can tell it was bothering the whole fight. But he pushed through. He showed toughness. It was, you know, because he could have easily lost the fight because of it. And you mentioned he was a more accurate striker, despite the whole, and you know, toe injury and the whole in in kick in kick leg kick and his other leg as well. He showed, you know, he he was showing he was a better striker. He used better skills despite being hampered, and he could have lost. Like I said, he had a reason to lose, but he pulled through and was able to win. Yeah, yeah, nice decision all three rounds too, which is really impressive considering. The circumstances of the fight, and it really shows that you know Randy Brown definitely can. Have, you know, if you question, you know, all fighters are tough, obviously, but his level of toughness and that makes sense. And Randy Brown showed that he has you know high level, high high threshold of pain tolerance and also high level uh, high level of toughness in some, some fighters because of that. Which you know, the thing about her might still hurts this thing about that toe injury. Well, yeah, shout out to Randy Brown, great victory. And like I say, he's in, you know it's probably like a top twenty like well toy like he's near the rankings. You know, one more big victory he'd probably be ranked if he gets depending on who he fights also. 
But yeah, good victory for Randy Brown. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to um, agree with that there, especially with the toe injury. You know, that showed his level of toughness and that took his, he took his fighting and his, like you said, uh, tolerance of pain to another level. You know, he, you know, he dislocated his toe on the cage and he just kept going and he's still throwing front kicks. You know, he, he landed that front kick right in, right on Eric's face and, and he just kept going. And what my, what me was more surprising was the way the judges saw it, you know, they, it was a unanimous decision. You know, they, you know, he didn't, he didn't even lose, even with the injury, didn't even lose a round. That shows you something there. Like, wow, you know, that's like impressive. I can't wait to see uh, um, Randy Brown fight more, more often. You know, hopefully he heals up pretty quick with the toe and we'll see him maybe January or, or you know, the, you know, the earliest, you know, with depending how, you know, he, he recovers and what they have scheduled for him, because I think that's a world away we need to keep an eye on. Like you said, he might not be in the top 20 yet. I'm just on top, top 15. Top 15. He might not be on that cuffs just yet, maybe. But it's a name to watch going to 2022 now. Going to this new year coming up in an MMA world. Let's keep an eye out. Remember that name, Randy Brown. I think, you know, I think, and, and not for nothing, Jerry Gooden, not a bad fighter either. You know, unfortunately, he didn't make the weight. He, you know, he, he, he wasn't a bad fighting, looking fighter out there. They, you know, these two guys really put on a good show despite the fact, of, and they both fought good. So, you know, even in defeat, good, good, and didn't look so bad either. I think if, you know, he makes weight, maybe that's a, a you know, who knows what happened when you don't make weight. It could be a whole, a lot of things, but if he gets into great shape, he might be a, a welterweight coming down in the future, you know, um, who, who if he really takes it really serious. I'm not claiming that he didn't take the fight serious, but another fighter that looks the part, that looks like he could get in there and could be a trouble in the welterweight going forward so you gotta like the talent in that welterweight in ufc with that do you want to introduce the next card? uh yeah sure uh the, the flyweight division this was a you know point play was two ranked flyweights number nine flyweight with um tim elliott against number 11 matt 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 nicolau and nicolau wins this fight 29 28 all three judges scorecards and as he moves up the rankings being number nine ranked tim elliott in the flyweight division it was this is you know very you know Typical flyweight fight, that makes sense. Uh, not to insult the flight division, but, you know, speed, technical skill. Elliot was doing well in the first round. He was clearly, you know, in better shots. But then as the second round went on, he kind of, like, slowed down somewhat. And, and Nicolau Nicolo was able to take advantage and be able to dictate his fights. And then, and it, you know, did round two, round three. He was able to win the you know, decision. And me and Dan talked about this Thursday uh, last week, how, you know, these guys need to have, like, a big performance, like, a really, if they were going to, like, you know, put themselves closer to the Tauga Center, because we mentioned there's four guys in that well, flyweight division, like, the, you know, the four horsemen or whatever, top four guys, you know, the champion Reino, obviously, Figueredo, um, Patoja, and Askarov, and now, you know, and, you know, if you're saying big, you get, you maybe you can fight one of those other guys, whether it be Askarov or maybe um, Patoja, and maybe if they had big performance here, and even though he won, he credited Nicolau. What it was a good performance, but wasn't like a like a you know a performance that we're all gonna be talking about. Like, oh my gosh, why? You know, that everyone's gonna be buzzing about. Don't want to take credit away from me. He won the fight, he did his job, but still, especially in this fight with division, considering those you know those considering you know those four guys, you know, and everything then it's like everybody else in that division. But good win for Nicolau. Um, Chef, Chef Dan, what are your thoughts on this fight? This fight 
didn't do much of anyone favors. Um, it really didn't. Uh, but what I want to say is, um, I want to ask before I want to, you, you said that this fight didn't do, like, I agree with you that this fight didn't do anyone favors. Whose fault do you think that is? I don't, I fight. Hey, both guys. I'd say it's Tim Elliott's fault. I'm going to let you know why. I don't know who Tim Elliott wanted to be in this fight. Wow. It was like he came out and he was the guy that's punching from all different angles. Yep. You know, the, the guy that's, you know, he wants to be a dynamic striker. There's, there, you know, there's different ways to, to, you know, there's different ways to categorize strikers. And one way to, you know, when you, when you want to, when you want to call someone a dynamic striker, what they're all about is angles. And what they do sometimes is they'll they'll just, you know, drop that drop the whole side of defense in their striking. So what they'll do is they'll you know try and dodge like this. A lot of head movement. And while you're throwing a strike, they're gonna try and slip an uppercut, you know, in, in the mist somewhere around there. And he wanted to be the dynamic striker. But Mateus Nikolaou was able to just do fundamentals. And when Tim Elliott found out that that didn't work for him, he wanted to be a grappler. But then Mateus Nikolaou said, hey, I can stuff your grappling. So that when that didn't work, Tim Elliott said, hey, let me try and do some conventional striking with you. And Mateus Nikolaou said, I, I can do conventional striking. That's what I've been doing all this fight. So I'm going to do that too. So then Tim Elliott decided, you know what? I'll go back to being the dynamic striker. And that didn't work. He didn't have any way of working for him. And so watching this fight, I this wasn't Mateus Nikolaou's fault that, you know, this wasn't an exciting fight. It didn't do much for him other than shows that, you know, if someone comes in there throwing different looks at him, as long as he keeps a calm head, he can persevere through a fight. And I guess that's needed in this division because with the speed and athleticism, you know, a fight can turn frantic in this division at any moment. But, yeah, that's about it. That's my only criticism of this fight. You know what? I'm going to... Dude, you know what you were saying? He didn't. He was trying to go for home runs, and sometimes you got to keep it simple in the in the counter game. And if you if you know go with a simple counter, if you could get if you could get a left hook on a counter, throw the left hook or or, or or a right body cross. You know, don't. He was trying to go for maybe the uppercut, the the, the the monster shot to impress, and it didn't work out there. And you said it didn't. It hurt neither one because they're okay. They'll just fight the next. Or up and comer, you know, to see if they could try to leapfrog them in, in rankings. But I like you said, I don't think there was no there was no ground gain of climbing. But I mean ground gain of, of ranking climbing. They're gonna stay pretty much plateau there and and they'll fight the next, you know, there might be they might be a gatekeeper type of situation, holding the gate for you know, for an, an unranked fighter to try to take their ranking type of deal. That's what I meant, a gatekeeper type of no, not for the not for the champion. So far, but for that that level, you know, unranked fighter that wants to get ranked and beat a ranked fighter, well, now you they fight one of these one of these gentlemen, and if they beat them, then you know they fall out of ranking because they they their fights are solid, they're good fighters, but like you said, they didn't move the needle, 
and unfortunately, they, you know, we shall see their next bout on that. Right, exactly. Could say, like, like I mentioned, Moreno, the champion, Figueredo, Pantoja, and Asparov, like the four guys, like guys of that weight class, really. You know, and you know, big points could possibly go and fight with one, you know, Pantoja or Asparov. But yeah, those are the guys that I think, let's be honest, most fans are, you know, want to see at the flight division. For a while, the flight division always got labeled the boring division, although I, at times I never thought that, but sometimes. It, these fighters shoot themselves in the foot, I'd be real. And these guys didn't exactly do anything to help themselves. But yeah, we shall see what happens next with these guys. Daniel, you want to say something? Yeah, I just, um, it's just, I don't know if, I, I, want, I want to make this statement on behalf of the fans to the fighters. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I'm going to put this out there. Um, when you get a, you know, the, the punch off the counter when you're off balance, that type of shot that, you know, comes out of nowhere, it's cool when it happens. It is. We're not always looking for that. As fans, like, if you really want to impress us, if you come into the, the next fight with just something different that you didn't have the last fight... And it's not something you have to consistently show all throughout the fight. But it's a new look. If you just go, hey, I was working on something brand new. Something KO potentially. Like, it, it gives you a potential of a, of a KO. It's fine. Because truthfully, any and all weapons you throw are a potential KO. So, like, these... I don't know how... Like, like I said with Tim Elliott... He's trying to go off balance and throw a shot. Like, if it landed and it changed the complexion, wonderful. But that's not what your fundamentals have been teaching you. The fundamentals got you right here. Stick to what you know. Stick to what got you to the dance and keep dancing. That's it. If your two-step got you to the finals, don't, you know, don't forget, to, don't, you know, don't, dis don't abandon the two-step. It just... It doesn't make any sense to me. It, it doesn't. No, well said there. Well said point. Well said. That's true. So, we're, so we shall move on from this fight. We shall see these two gentlemen, Nicolas and, and Elliot, um, in their future fights to see if you know what's on the horizon for them. Maybe they'll change something, and, uh, or or maybe the opponent. Maybe the like I was said, you know, uh, styles make fights, and maybe that style for, against them was the result of a not too uh, a needle-moving fight, but we shall see. We shall see there. We'll move on now to the women's flyweight bout, uh, Maraya Agapova. Am I saying it correct? I hope I'm I, not saying I think so. Okay, and Sabrina yes. Mazda. Um, we saw that a, 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 a victory by submission, a real naked choke on the 53, 53 seconds of the third round, just almost buzzer beater type. You know, there was plenty of time left, but... It was getting close to that fight there. What's your thoughts on that one? Uh, with that, with with Mariah um, Agapoga winning that by that in the third round, the way she did it the last second, I mean, she looked like she wore her down. Uh, who wants Who wants to take the lead on that one first? Austin, go ahead. Eat first. Are you wait? I only was last second. I think it was fifty seconds. No, into, no, but into, in the last the, minute. Into no, the last, no, no, I think it was into last minute. I think it was early in the third. Oh, round. in the third, Corey. Okay. I think so. The way it said, I think it was early in the third round. I think it was late. I think the the, the yeah, it, it was early in the third round. 
Yeah, the the printout may kind of confuse um the way they recap it on the website it's kind of confuses. But yeah, like I was saying, yeah, I mean it was a uh, she landed a, like a I think I'm trying to remember what she landed. I think it was a left or a right, like the side head dropped Sabina and then got where they could choke immediately and just tapped out. Like it was you know impressive. I mean. You know, it's a good victory for her. That's a victory considering how she did it. You don't see you see guys, you know, well, guys or ladies, you know, not drop someone and immediately go for submission and get it on correctly and then tap. Usually they try submission, they fuck up, screw up and stuff like that. You know, even high level jujitsu guys can screw up sometimes submissions after dropping someone. But she did it perfectly, got the submission. And I'm trying to remember who she was calling out. She was calling somebody, and a, you know, her former teammate that she wanted to basically beat up afterwards. I don't remember who, but I do remember that as well. Yeah, she hit her with the with with the overhead right. Right, that was the that was the fight the punch that got her down. Okay, yeah, that was it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like I said, good job and for, for good job, Marina Agapova for the victory. She's from uh, I think Kazakhstan. I forget. She was one of the first female fighters from um I forget which Soviet old Soviet Republic it was. I don't I don't remember, but I do remember like them mentioning something like that. Yeah, be- she is from Kazakhstan. Yeah, okay, Kazakhstan. I think it said something like she may be one of the, fir- the first female fire from Kazakhstan. I could be wrong on that part. But I would impress the victory for her. Um, Dan, what you thought? That's what that pressure do, man. That's what that pressure do. It was excellent, excellent finish. But we saw it, you know, being set up. Yeah. Mazo had nothing for her in, uh, uh, you know, in – in that first two rounds. And we saw uh, Agapova, she had plenty of chances to finish it, but she just kept discipline, kept, you know, hey, you know, I I could always, you know, overextend myself with my striking, but no, I'm just going to keep discipline, keep it where I can keep my range and just keep with the damage. Keep one, two, keep peppering her up. Keep the pepper, keep the pepper going because it's going to get too hot for her. It's going to get too hot. And soon enough, she's got to get out the kitchen. And the way she got her out the kitchen, it was a one-two man. It was the left hand, then the overhand right drop Mazo. It was beautiful. As soon as she dropped onto her knees, it was just the the slip over. You saw it. She just made sure when she jumped over. The only thing is holding on right now is my left is my left hand and my leg. I want to you know just. Hold on right there as I slip over. Get into the rear naked choke. Got it clean. It was beautiful. Beautiful technique. And that's some stuff that if you go into a gym, that's some of the day one technique that they teach you there in the MMA gym. It's like as far as transitioning from striking to choking, like especially if you get someone down, that's something you want to do. You want to jump on that opportunity as quick as possible. That was technically sound. It was beautiful. And that was why Mazo had to tap. It's when you when someone ex- executes a technique so clean, usually there's nothing you can do with it. You know, it it's not about the power that the person has, this, that, whatever. It's just when someone can execute technique so clean and get you in a position where it's, you know, it, it, it's somewhere where you, you know, the only way you can defend is you had to have had some form of defense there or you had to you you got to show a uh, some type of herculean strength and she didn't she clearly didn't have the herculean strength from being peppered up for three rounds and you didn't have the defense set up because you just got knocked down only thing you could do is respect game and tap and so it was a beautiful showing by agapova 
Yeah, well, well said there. I want to salute our, our, our normal chat members, Robert Parr, salute to Robert Parr, salute to Maria, salute to, to CT from, uh, from uh, the streets are buzzing, Nick's TV. Um, salute to everyone, everyone out there in the chat that listens to the program and, and always salute and support this Bronx Sports Jedi Network. And we appreciate the support. Hit that like and subscribe button and follow us on the uh, audio podcast platforms i'll put i'll put that there in a minute to in the ticker so you guys can follow us and, and so keep supporting us you know in all different platforms you know we have anchor fm spotify bean um reason fm and buzzsprout.com um thank you we appreciate you guys and hit that like and subscribe and we'll move on to the next fight and by the way she won fight of the night bonus as well one of the four ladies that made history that evening in the ufc all four women fight, fighters Fifty thousand, a bonus of the night fight. That for those that don't that don't know and listen to the program, Dana White. Or every time there's a UFC event, if you if you overexcel and you excite the crowd, you and you 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 um, become fight of the night. You get an extra bonus on top of your purse. Am I am I saying it correctly? Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to reiterate that with that, and we'll move on to the next fight. You know, we've got the bantamweight bout between Chris Gutierrez and Felipe uh, Corrales. Um, Felipe uh, Gutierrez won on a split decision. A really good fight there, 28-29, 30-27, 30-27, and a split decision, uh, bantamweight bout. What's your thought on that, um, Chef Dan? Uh, exactly as the judges saw it. Neither fighter really, uh, to me, showed um, – neither fighter showed the ability to kind of take over the fight. Both fighters had their moments, and so that's, you know – it, you know, with a split decision like that, it, I, you know, is one of the times where you just can't, you can't really disagree with the uh, refs. Um, you know, it, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sorry, not with the refs, with the judges. Yeah, um, yeah, Chris got it, but truthfully, neither fighter really separated themselves. Well said. Austin. I thought, I thought Chris won personally. Yeah, I can see why I made Felipe, but I thought Chris did enough to win. First round, third round, especially Chris was hitting those shots in the end of that third round. But like you said, it was come close. It wasn't like any guy distinguished themselves from the judge, you know, from the distinct, you know, made it their fight, you know, really impressed the judges to the point where it was clear cut they won. But like I said, I think Chris did enough to, you know, win that fight personally. That's just me. Yeah, so we, we that was the first card of the main card. I'm, I'm, just enough said there, not too much to elaborate on that. The split decision, it, you know, certain rounds could have went certain way. No one really distinguished themselves, and we shall move on. We'll go to the – we'll talk a little bit about the preliminary um, card. Like I always tell everyone that watches us, um, for all you novice, like, you know, I, I could identify myself. You know, I watch the preliminaries to learn how to about the fights. You know, I like to – view. that's where you see that mostly the night, fight on the night bonuses um, handed out, spectacular knockouts. You know, late kick submission. You know, the the these guys are hungry. They're they're young. They're all. Don't get me wrong. All fighters are hungry. All fighters want to perform well. But usually, when you go to championship level, kind of balance itself because they're the best of the best. These guys are trying to be the best of the best, and they take their fight to another level. They take more risk, more gambles because they really don't got a lot to lose. They want to get to that platform and they want to climb that mountain, and they take those risks. So I always tell everyone, watch the preliminaries. Keep an eye on that um, before you want to invest in the, in the, in especially if there's a UFC, if there's a pay-per-view before you shell out your money, 
Watch the preliminary, see if you like the card, see if you like and get into it, and then for free, continue watching. Of course, we want you to get involved and like it, but we're just giving you, nudging you the right way to become an MMA fan and learn and, and see why we are enthusiastic and we love this sport and we love covering and talking about it. It's for those reasons, because, you know, we watch there and we take those baby steps. Like everything in life, everything is step-by-step step in order. And I think if you do that watching the UFC, then you can start getting into it for those men and women or young folks that don't know about the UFC, don't never liked it before, or it's not just a cup of coffee, try it this way. And maybe you'll see it will work. And if it's still not for you, it's not for you. It's not, never, not everything meant for everybody. So we move on there. We'll go to the main event of, of, of the preliminary with a heavyweight bout. Alexander Romanov, not 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 Natasha's brother, but Alexander Romanov versus Jared Velareta. Uh, uh, um, it was a, it was my my other son who watched the fight when he came home from work. He won by a TKO. You know, he there's just a heavyweight. That's what you're gonna get with heavyweight fights. I think you know Alexander was just monstrous. You know, he was just in there and he just wow. He was he had some good hands. Some, and he just pummeled, pummeled him, uh, ground and pound to the point where the TKO had to come in and the referee had to put a stop to it. Um, what's your thought? Uh, let me go with I didn't watch the prelims. Okay. I had no idea. All right. That's yeah. Um, me, me personally, I had, I was just coming home from work, so I didn't get to watch the prelims live. I only got to recap. Uh, I only got to rewatch one of the preliminary fights, and that was the uh, – Lupita Godinez versus Silvana Gomez Juarez fight. So I, I, I'll take your word for it on, on that one. All right, we'll, we'll go, we'll jump since we have that. I'm not much said there with with uh, Alexander Romanov. You know, he was just overpowering. It was just great, and we'll go into that of uh, that fight, that throwaway uh, fight between Lupita and, and Silvana. Um, what's your thoughts on that? You seem to watch that on that one there. Lupita Lupi Godinez is a little bulldog. That was that was my impression of that. She's a bulldog. She came in there, like went straight for it. One, two strike. Let me get let me get right into the clinch. Let me take you down. First of all, let me go shoot. Let me grab you up, lift you up, slam you down. Let's go right into the uh grappling. That's all I'm about. I'm about grappling, and we're gonna stay there. And you know, Silvana had her chances, she fought through it. But then it came to a point where Loopy, man, when she, it, it man, th these grapplers, the women grapplers, they have these funny transition moves where, like, you see it and they're like, you're like, don't tell me you're about to get this position. Don't tell me you're, you flipped and got it. And then you went and got something else. I didn't even see you were looking for that. But they're like, I don't know, because they're more flexible, they have the ability to attack in certain places that you're just not, you know, if the average person isn't even looking to see. And so when she got to a point where she got Silvana's back, I'm like, no, don't tell me she's not about to flatten her out and get the choke. And she almost got the rear naked choke, almost got it. But then Silvana fought out of it, but then she put herself from a bad position to an even worse position, put herself, you know, vulnerable for an armbar, and Loopy got it, and you saw it. It's like, ah, got him. Made a tap. It was, yo, know, vicious, vicious. I, Austin, you take it. You, if you I saw it, you tell me. I did. You didn't see. All right, oh. Kev, you got to tell me yeah. what you saw in that, that was, fight. That was that was wow. When I saw that, I was like, oh, please don't have no um 
ligament damage on her arm that was really it was a, like wow cringeworthy you know you know but that's the sport you know the the fight that's the sport you know and that was like oh no and good thing there's no there was no structural damage or ligament damage just pain you know and that's you know if you're gonna watch that fight as you want to see just pain not not no damage no no out of place no bone no surgery so that's a good one there and i want to also fight of the night bonus so kudos to if to her. It, it, you know to our fan to to the listeners watching if you guys want to know like the difference the reason why this armbar was vicious is that when she's fighting through the rear naked choke when silvana is fighting through the rear naked choke she's on you know she's essentially has loopy on her back and so she goes you know she's fighting she's basically looking up at the sky she's laying on her back trying to fight it right when she gets to the arm bar if our viewers can just imagine this in your like in your head she's basically knees down face out onto the you know knees knees down on the ground she's bent you know kind of downward dog position one hand right here trying to slip her arm out but the other arm is already caught so now you like loopy is using her using the floor as a lever to crank back on the joints and the ligaments so that's why silvana instantly tapped like it's one of those i i don't want to like you know machismo can be shown here but after i shows my machismo my, you know my machismo and you know try and show that i'm a i'm a fighter with grit nine times out of ten i'm walking out of here not holding up my my uh my arm or even if i do happen to get out of this position i'm fighting the next two rounds one armed, and that puts me at an even worse position so it was just you know Con smart and conscious of, a, of her to know like hey she's got me in a very bad 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 position i can try and fight out of it or i can live to fight another day and that's a beautiful thing with the ufc is that even when a fighter sometimes has a loss or two on their record it doesn't you know the the number of losses doesn't determine the fighter it's how they get back up from the loss that's what determines a fighter in the ufc yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but that that concludes this the UFC card. Let me ask you guys: Do you want to break down the other card and leave the boxing for later, since you have to go soon? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I might as well. All right, so we'll break down the Wilder and Fury fight after. We'll go. We'll go right into since we're still in the UFC. Let's go to the UFC Cup coming this weekend. You know, we have the UFC uh, 40 event. And uh, give us the rundown. Awesome. Uh, main event: Aspen Land versus Norma Norma Dumont in the featherweight division. Aspen is typically a bantamweight, but she's but she missed weight her last fight. If you remember, I think two weeks ago she was supposed to fight Macy. She is uh, Macy. I, forgot, I, can't, I can't pronounce her last name. Macy Ch uh, Chiasen, but Aspen Land missed weight, bad, you know, badly, and they, the fight got canceled. And now, now that and also Holly Holm was supposed to fight Norma. Uh, Dumont a few weeks ago. No, a few weeks ago she pulled out. I think with injury reason. So they need someone to replace Holly Holm and Aspen steps up going into the Norma um, Dumont in the featherweight division. That's and also you have the co-main event Andre Olaski UFC legend going against Carlos Felipe in this card also. And and I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna get 100. My other sit is now represent Cat my dad Dan. Or anybody representing me. Worst card, worst UFC card. I'm just gonna say it. Not a great UFC card. 
I mean, I mean, yeah, Espinosa's a good fighter at bantamweight, but not featherweight. Andre Olowski, who I respect and like, you know, although you have Andre Olowski, who's a legend, you know, former UFC heavyweight champion back in the day. But this card to me, I know, I know you can't judge card by his cover. I know sometimes cards can be good sometimes, but you know, I'm not gonna act like you know, I know these guys are. I'm not gonna act like this is the most stacked card either. It's, you know, typically UFC's always been known as putting high-level cards throughout the years, and this is not what the UFC typically does. Matter of fact, it's the first card in a long time that no ranked fighter on this card. It's something you don't see ever in the UFC. Although, I'm, although, I mean, Aspen Lad in Featherweight, maybe she might be better off, fight better at Featherweight than Bantamweight because she has trouble making weight. But Featherweight's a child division. It's not like a, not like a, you know, Anna Nunes and... You know, some other girls. I mean, let's not forget, they were about to cut the fairweight division recently. I don't mm. know if there still are. But, still, but you know, it's not exactly, uh, you know, a, a division with depth. I mean, like strawweight is. And, I, you know, I am interested to see how Andre Olaski, you know, looks, considering, you know, he might retire anytime soon because the guy's been fighting since 99, I believe, 21 years. And he's got, mm. like, wait, 50 fights at least. I think he has more, but... You know, and just see if Andre Olaski keep winning, if he keeps winning, or if he, you know, retires soon. Because with Olaski, I will get, you know, this could be his last fight. That is kind of interesting. I'll give you that. Also, you do have Jim Miller on this card, who's a legend, who's always, you know, public signed fights back, you know, always. But you know, it could be Jim Miller's last show, last fight too. Maybe I'm not saying it is because you never know. Fighters keep going, but Jim Miller is also a veteran who's been around for a long time. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess, you know, in that case, if you want to see Jim Miller or Andre Olaski, you know, two OGs go at it, you know, fights in this card, that's the reason to watch. But for me, I'm, I'm not the most excited for this card. I'm just going to be honest. Okay. I, I can agree with you to a certain point. Um, the main event to me isn't, you know, uh, the draw to me. To me, the co-main event is a draw to me because I've seen Carlos Felipe before, and he's a badass at the heavyweight division. The way I see this fight going, this is that co-main event doesn't end in the judges' hands at all. This goes straight to TKO. Someone's getting knocked out clean in that fight. Either Carlos or Andre's gonna do the knocking out. But when Carlos Felipe enters the ring, he's not entering it to try and, you know, grab all this, that, whatever. No. He's, you know, <laughs> He, he's swinging and he's swinging and banging like them Houston boys, like just going for for blood. Um, so that is interesting to me. I just spoke about her and I see her name on the card. Uh, so she's she looks like she's hungry and going for more competition. Lupita Godinez will fight Luana Carolina, so that's gonna be very interesting to me. Right, you yeah. know, I, hey, when you hungry, when you hungry, you gotta eat. Yeah, she's a female Hansa Chimayev, basically. Look, hey, she didn't take damage in this fight, in the last fight. So if she can come back and, and fight some more, that number one, it it does two things. Number one, it keeps her in the public's eye. It lets people know, hey, she's hungry, we just saw her, and she wants more. But number two, more importantly, it lets Dana White know she doesn't say no to anything. You call her phone, she's available. If she's available for these type of fights, she's going to be available for championship-type fights. This type of hunger is what put Giga Chikatse in the position that he's in right now. 
a lot of people don't know this, but prior to us knowing Giga Chikaze's name, you know, when the USC needed a, 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 a you know, it, I believe they, they talked about for the Max Holloway-Calvin Cater fight, they needed a backup fighter for that fight. No one volunteered themselves. I believe, uh, uh, I don't know, Dana White even put the feelers out there, but Giga decided to drive himself to the event, wait already, cut all that, said, hey, I'm available. Guy said, we didn't even call you. So I don't care. I'm here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're That type of hunger, that type of dedication, that type of want to, you show it, you're going to get something for it. And it's, it, you know, deservedly so, man. If she's on this, if, if the information here is correct and, and that she's on the card again and she's fighting again, that's a hunger that, you know, you got a reward with something else. Maybe we see, you know, she doesn't finish the year with one more fight, but next year she has a very prominent fight. Let's say she goes and fights someone highly ranked. It, it does very good for her that she's just showing this hunger. So I'm, I'm very interested in that. Yeah, well said. But my, my thoughts with the card, it might not be the like the, the household names, like, you know, and there is kind of no buzz to the card. You know, instead of that's the word, the, I think to the right yes. words, there's no buzz. You're not buzz. You're not like, it's not a must see. I got to come home, you know, watch the prelims at four o'clock and, you know, can't wait for seven o'clock for the main card to start. But you never know, you know, these are fighters still. They're still fighters. They're warriors. They're gladiators. You know, we, we you know, I, maybe next time, next time, next week, we're probably saying the knockout of the year came out of this card. You know, we never know, you know, but, but is it going to draw a lot of eyeballs? I don't think so. Um, I, you know, because it, it's not like you said, the household name. So unfortunately, this might, this card might be watched a lot by, by USC viewers on replay. Especially if that no, especially if there is the knockout of the year or fight of the year there, and a lot of people are going to be kicking themselves. I didn't watch it, or I didn't, you know, I, I judge a book by its cover. What do you thought, Dan? Go ahead. I know you wanted. To say. I, I agree with you there, but it also does one more thing, and this is an and this is an incentive to every single fighter on the card. It now, like this, is one of the rare opportunities. Like you have to look at it. You have to look at it in a different way as a fighter on the card. And the way I'd look at it if I was on that card is this is a rare opportunity. I'm not only fighting my opponent, but this somehow is an open weight class competition. Not for, you know, not for just, you know, winning or whatever. But let's say you do so in a very convincing fashion and you look the best on the card. That may propel you. If you truly are, like, granted, it may not have been the best card or whatever, but if for a couple, at least for a couple of weeks, people mention your name as saying you were the best fighter on a card, you were the best fighter on a card, you clearly showed, you know, you, you know, differences between you and every single fighter on the card, main prelim, whatever. You could have been a preliminary, and it's like, yo, they made a mistake. You should have been a main eventer. You could have been a, 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 you know, on the main card, but not a main event. This fight should have been a main event. The main event could have, you know, you have a chance to shape something here. Like it's, it's a, it's a clay right now without, uh, without any molding. 
you have a chance to shape it into something. So that would be, you know, my my, uh, my advice to some of the fighters on the card. You know, I, I can't give them any advice on the punches and kicks, but as far as giving out a dominant showing, you have a chance to make a name for yourself, even on a card is relatively low buzz with this one. I agree with that. With that, we shall watch that. And due to the fact that that, that fight starts at seven, the main card, which I this is something that I always respect the world of MMA fighting. When they put two shows from two different uh, fighting promotions, like Bellator, and, we have a Bellator card that evening. They're not gonna they're not gonna contradict each other or fight or, or make you choose. You know, it's just they might the main event might break come come in with a couple of the main card of Bellator or vice versa. You know, they never try to compete for the eyeballs. And I and we're speaking about that. We got Bellator coming up. And Bellator 268. Uh, Austin, let's let's bring yeah, that this, back there. This is uh this, this is one of the few times where a Bellator card is just in my opinion better than the UFC card. To me, it's better. It, I'm just gonna be honest. I, this is one of the few times you can say that because you have two of the light heavyweight tournament fights going on in this car. You have the main event of Adin Nimkov going against Julius Ingles. Now, he was not the original opponent. It was supposed to be Rumble Johnson, Anthony Rumble Johnson, but Anthony Rumble Johnson had a illness, something medical, where he said he won't be fighting until 2022, which we still don't know what it is. Hopefully, he feels better. Whatever is going on with Anthony Rumble Johnson because he's one of the more exciting fighters in MMA. I agree. So, yeah, hopefully, he recovers. But with that said, um, Julian Angelis was originally supposed to be the alternate. You know, he was the alternate for because uh, because originally Romero was supposed to be in this tournament, but he couldn't because he couldn't get cleared by the commission. And instead of and then that's where they put um I forget the guy's name that Rumble beat. I apologize because he showed he showed hard in that fight too. But but because Julius had fought a couple weeks earlier and wasn't was able to make the way again. But he was the alternative anyway. So now he gets a big shot. He goes from possibly fighting Rumble Johnson, Rumble Johnson in the first round to now fighting the champion, Vadim Nemkov. He has the opportunity to become, you know, Bellator's version of Daniel Cormier. If those of you don't know, in 2011, Strikeforce had the heavyweight Grand Prix. And it was originally, in the second round, it was supposed to be Bigfoot still against Alistair Overeem. But what happened was Overeem got hurt. And Daniel Cormier stepped in. And then he knocked out Bigfoot Silva. Then he beat Josh Bryan in the finals, and Daniel Cormier ended up becoming, and ended up becoming, you know, it began his legendary career by stepping in and winning that strike force heavyweight tournament. Now, this is um, Julius's opportunity to do that himself. Not only that, but also he goes against Vadim Nemkov, the champion. He has a chance to become the lightweight champion also if he beats Nemkov. He's just said done because obviously Nemkov, in my opinion, might be the best lightweight in the world right now. Even better, Jan Blahovitz. No offense to Jan. Like Jan, but I think Nimkov's better personally. They would fight. I favor Nimkov, just me personally. You know, I like Jan Bolovitz, but still, I mean, it would be interesting to see how Nimkov deals with the opponent change because it's only four weeks out from four weeks. To, four, it's only been four weeks to prepare for Julia for Julius, and Julius is completely different fight than Rumble Johnson. I'm considering Julius tends to, have, you know, he, he has, you know. A couple of submissions, you know, four submissions, three knockouts, three decisions. He's not like a power puncher who throws, you know, high head, left high, left head kicks like Rumble does. We got to worry about, you know, there are all kinds of punches from Rumble. Let's be honest, fighting him. So I'm interested to see how Nimkov adjusts. Also, how Julius um adjusts too. Like, how to deal with the speed of Nimkov because Nimkov is kind of a fast, like heavyweights, kind of like his his uh, mentor Fedor was in heavyweights. How he was fast for heavyweights. 
Nemkov tends to be somewhat fast, especially if you watch that Ryan Bader fight where he really, his speed was really on point against Bader when he beat him for the title. It's a very, you know, it's a very good, you know, that's the main event there. Um, also, I feel bad for Nemkov. I want to mention this because Nemkov is Fedor's protege, and next week they're in Russia, the Bellator, and Fedor's on that card, and it's in the stadium show too. So, you, you know, think about, right? you know, he unfortunately has to fight this week and can't go be on the Russia card, which is a stadium show. You know, Fedor, mentors there, you know, a lot, a lot of Russian talent there. We'll break, you know, we'll talk more about that next week, obviously. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm excited for that fight. Um, any thoughts of that fight? Um, for me, not really. I, I, I Like I said, I haven't really uh, paid attention to Bellator a lot. I just recently got back on it because, you know, I'm watching the program with you guys. So this is kind of going to be a, a, you know, a first time I'm, I'm, I'm going to be joining Kev, you know, just watching it. With, with the unbiased uh, opinion, just kind of watching it to see who impresses me. That's that's it. Yeah, I agree with that. And that fight with um, uh, Rumble Johnson was um, Jose Agosto, am I correct? Yeah, Agosto. Yeah, that's what he'd be the first one. Okay, yeah. Julius Angeles uh, was supposed to step in and fight Rumble then, but he couldn't, so Agosto stepped up. But anyway, Gus has got a bigger fight now for the lightweight championship. Although Rumble is the bigger name in terms of, but he doesn't have the championship. That's the thing, though. But also, speaking of the lightweight tournament, we also have the other semifinals, Ryan Bader against Corey Anderson. Now, Ryan Bader's fighting his hometown, Phoenix, Arizona. So this is the hometown coming for – well, I think he's from – I know he's from Arizona. I don't know if he's from Phoenix necessarily. So it's a hometown coming for him against Corey Anderson. Now, this is a very interesting fight because these are guys who have been top 10 light heavyweights for a while now to, in all of MMA, if you think about it. Corey Anderson, you know, with the exception that lost to Jan Belovitz, you know, Last, early last year, I mean, you know, he's really looked impressive the last five or six fights. You know, he's starting to come his own. You know, he's been, you know, winning fights, finishing guys, fight, being comfortable. He looks like a guy who's comfortable fighting MMA now, and he's really showing to. It. He's put on you know, a lot of impressive victories. His last fight in the first round, he, you know, he survived getting um, stung by um, his opponent. I can't pronounce his last name. And then um, he uh, took him down, was able to finish him via ground and pound in that third round. And you have Ryan Bader, on the other hand, who is the former light heavyweight champion, who is also the heavyweight champion, who's trying to, you know, he wants to get the, his belt back and revenge the loss to Nimkov, or at least get the belt back. And Corey Anderson's told a story how back in the day they trained together, and Corey says he got the better of Ryan back in the day when they trained together. But that was a long time ago when that happened, and who knows how. But, but, you know, fighters change from, you know, each year. Who knows what these guys are trained now, how much they've improved, or, you know, things they've been aware of. I mean, personally, it's a interesting fight. I do think it's a chance to be a back-and-forth fight, although I do think Corey might win because I think Corey's a little bit faster, personally, than um, Bader. Oh, I think Bader, you know, Corey's a wrestler. I think Bader might be the better wrestler of the two. Me personally, if I had to think about it, just watching the fights. I mean, this is a this is a pretty interesting, a great fight. Like I said, he's too. I'm interested to see who makes the finals of the um, lightweight tournaments. Any thoughts on this fight, guys? I, I, I like you said, the, the it's a tournament style. I, I, that's what I like about Bellator too. It's not, it's you know, it's not copy, it's not um, copy and paste from UFC. There's a little bit you of know, the tournament, and but both bring it different. And I wanted to see that. Ryan Bader, you know, he was a former heavyweight champion, and now can he, you know, 
win this tournament. It's a million dollars at the end of the yeah. time, right? So now you go, not only trying to get his heavyweight title back, try to get a million dollars. You know, you know what a way to start the new year, 2022, if he gets if he gets to the finals and let's say he wins that, you know, what a way to start your new year coming up. So, you know, first you got to finish out this fight here, the semifinal fight. It's going to be really interesting. Both fighters were going to be guaranteed by the, by the, either when the one winner of one fight of one, of one round one round of the tournament wins and they, when the other fighter comes out they're both going to meet each other in the center or on or, or the platform and they're going to take their op they're going to meet up and say it's me and you mano mano winner versus winner win next so if that'd be interesting i can't wait to see that that drama that they build up in bellator um i, I kind of you know that's going to be interesting what's your thoughts on that dan um this doesn't this doesn't end via uh this doesn't end via via a uh, submission and I don't think it ends via decision. I think this ends via TKO. Wow. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I can see it. I don't see either of these fighters um trying to go the distance with each other. That's that I mean that's my only that's my only like I I don't know who wins it. I could go into certain measurables, but I I don't know. Cause you did say Corey is faster than Ryan, and I uh, I believe Corey has the uh, has a reach advantage, so that helps him as well. Good point. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't have an official prediction, but I just know this ends in TKO. And you, and Boehner is a former heavyweight champion light too, heavyweight light heavyweight champion. He's a current heavyweight champion. Current heavyweight, but you know. He's a, he has he's a champ. He knows he knows what it takes to to you know you know win fight. You know the only difference is it's going to be a three round. It's not no it's five round. It's all tournament fights. It's five round. All tournament fights. Okay, I thought I thought I, I thought they implemented that five. I thought it was January like, uh, from last. I'm thinking about last program you guys mentioned and broke down the news that Bellator was going to go five rounds with all the main events, but not tournament. I'm I'm glad you you corrected me on that and and, and I appreciate that and and yeah so. Five rounds against the against the current champion, but the guy has speed. It's, that's gonna it's gonna be fireworks. It's gonna be fireworks. It's gonna be a good card, and uh, and that's why I say kudos to both Bellator and UFC for not overstepping each other's toes. They start one wolf, one one federation with one fight uh, program will start earlier, while the other one eases itself, fades into it. And you, if you're an MMA fan, you're gonna get fights all, even though. Like you said, there's no buzzworthy in 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 the in the UFC main 40, but you could even you know, if you're a fight fan, you're gonna watch it, you're gonna like it, you're gonna, and then it's just gonna give you a good afternoon of great fights, especially if you're in the part of uh, of your college football team is blown out or they're off or they don't, you know, early. you know, they played early in the day. You got some stuff to watch, so well, we appreciate that, and we'll definitely can't wait to break down. Any final thoughts before yeah, you head out? Yes, um, I want to say I like I think both semifinals of the tournament have speed versus you know strength for Bader and like Julia uh, Inglis is might be the stronger fighters when Nemkov is interested in or the more faster fighters in their fights. It seems like that to me. I mean, I don't know. Like I got, I mean, although I'm not saying Nemkov or Anderson are strong, but I think you know. I could be, you know, Bader fighting heavyweight, maybe he might be stronger because he fight heavyweight, he tend to have more muscle. You know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of surprised he went down personally because I thought, you know, fighting heavyweight, he wouldn't, you know, the weight cut, he, the weight cut be, might be harder for him, but he's made the weight so far, good for him. 
And um, also, I do want to mention on this uh, on this card, um, Benson Henderson, the former UFC lightweight champion, going against Brent Primus, the former Bellator lightweight champion. It's good to see Brent Primus finally take up another fight in the calendar year. One big criticism of Brent Primus that I've had and people have is that the guy doesn't fight often. Mm-hmm. He does not fight often. That's always been a big criticism of mine, of his, and a lot of people. And I'm glad he's fighting, you know, again. This, you know, he fought in July in the AJ McKee Pitbull card, lost a close fight to Islam Maladov. In that fight, now he's fighting against um, Vince Anderson, who, like I said, is the former UFC lightweight champion, who is coming off, you know, two losses: one to Jason Jackson and Walter White, other was Michael Chandler a year earlier in Chandler's last um, last um, Bellator fight. And interesting to see, you know, who you know who's able to emerge, considering Primus is, has a, usually tends to do better on the ground, and we all know Benson's probably the better striker of the two. Not that, not that Primus got bad striking, but if you had to choose who's better, what's skill set, Primus on the ground and especially submissions and Benson striking. So interesting to see who implements their, who's able to dictate the fights. It's an old striker versus grappler matchup from back in the day, if you remember those fights. So I do want to mention that as well. Any other fight? Any other fights we could keep an eye on? To, um... I, I, I guess, you know, Henry, I guess the opening of the main card, Henry Carlos against, uh, but uh, Vladislav Porochenko, who's Porochenko is um 16 and two, coming from Russia, it, you know 12 submissions. So most of his victories are submissions against Henry, Henry Corrales, who's you know who's always a dangerous fighter. You know 11 finishes of, of his 18 victories. You know four four submissions, seven knocked KOs, TKOs. Despite the fact he's lost three of his last four, you know still someone to watch out for. Although you know. Porochenko, you know, seems might be the favorite because of his record and how well he's doing. And let's be honest, a lot of the Russian fighters have done well. It's become, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it's been a lot of Russian like dominance in MMA. Man, when I noticed that, it seems like the Russians are now like you know starting to make their presence known in the sport. Oh yeah, it's a Russian invasion. <laughs> it comes in its waves. That's that's how I see it. Yes. Yeah, that's true, but it seems like recently you really see like the Russians stand out. Whether it be the Dagestanis or maybe the people like Fedor's camp or Siberia or other parts of Russia. But I get what yeah, you mean. but we also, you know, but our, our, it, it, when I say it comes in its phase, it's like there was a time when, the, when you know, the, the Brazilians came and had their invasion. You can see, you know, the, the you know, it, it's going to be a time where um, we even just had the British invasion earlier. You're gonna have, you know, a, a Russian invasion at some point. I think um, Australians are gonna have an invasion pretty soon. It, it's all gonna happen. Like it comes in its waves. I think the fighters are there in their regions. They just haven't had the chances yet to break out. But when they do, you'll see more and more fighters out of a distinct area because you know they usually come together in one gym. Right, and I think the Australians already, and the Oceanic people, Australia, New Zealand, already had their, you know, invasion. Although they're still, although they're still relevant now. I mean, you know, Whitaker, the whole city kickboxing gym in New Zealand, and Jimmy Crew, and guys like that. Well, yeah, you are right about that. Yeah, it usually is way. Usually, it's you know, different ethnicities, Brazilians, and early on with the Japanese, and then American Canadians with George St. Pierre is running, Roy McDonough, and now I get Dude. the. When Francis Ngannou won the title, everyone felt like it was an African invasion on the belts. Like it's, everyone has their own invasion. It it, it comes in its ways. That's how I feel. It's just usually like there's a, a a bunch of it's like, how do I say it? It was roughly like anywhere from ten to fifteen fights on a card. 
Mm-hmm. That means you're going to have 15 winners. If roughly just, uh, I don't know, one-fifth of them happen to be from the same place, it becomes an invasion. Like, it's, it's you know, the people look for commonalities like that. It happens. So I, I wouldn't give it too much of a thought. I, I'd say that the, Russia is producing a lot of amazing fighters, but there's going to be a point where, you know, the, the, the playing field levels out. Because it's not going to be more so like, hey, they're just so genetically dominant or anything. I think they're just bringing a different skill set that people haven't seen. But soon enough, it gets figured out. And then another skill set will be shown where it feels like, hey, these guys are invading. It, it comes and goes. Especially when you notice that, you know, a lot of the moves that, you know, a lot of the skill sets or moves that are attached to them are not really moves that are brand new. It's just people are applying old moves in different scenarios. Right, right. Different tendencies and, 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 and techniques. Yeah, you. I agree with you on that. Definitely, definitely with that. But, uh, before we go on to the fights, the boxing fight, Austin has to drop off for a minute. He's got to get uh, duty calls for Austin. Um, Austin, give mm-hmm. us a final thoughts before we exit the program. Uh, oh, yeah. We can do brief, you know, my thoughts on the Wilder Fury. Just brief. Um, heavyweight boxing fight you know heavyweight division runs boxing and you know yeah a great all-time great heavyweight boxing fight you know the three you know five knockdowns three from fury two from wilder especially in that fourth round crazy round fury's chin is unbelievable we can say that and go and yeah those guys are yeah shout out to tyson fury you know what well to find the odds again survive those two knockdowns in that round wilder show hard and guts and actually you know Came through, fought it in, fought the war fighter, and yeah, great fight. And uh, and thank you guys for watching the show, listening to us on the audio platform. Appreciate you guys, all you fans, everybody who watches us. So thank you guys, and I'll see. You, and I, I'll be, and I'm out. All right, we got Dan there, so we'll, we'll appreciate. Austin has to step out for 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 a moment. He's got to get ready for work. So we'll bring one up there. We'll bring that there. We'll, and we'll break down the fight. Uh, Rock's Jedi Network here. Thank you for everybody watching us, listening to us on the platforms here on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and now in audio platforms and Anchor FM, Spotify, uh, Beanpod, Reason FM, and Brinspot. And let's get right to it, man. Saturday night, we had to watch along here myself with Chef Dan, Austin in the background. It was Fight night, baby. Fight night, fight night. The trilogy between Wilder, Fury. Oh, baby. What was that all about? If you guys could watch the replay of the watch along and see our raw reactions to it, if you have an opportunity, for those that are watching us with video, not the audio part, um, oh, you got to take a minute to see the raw emotion from all of us there. Um, let's break down the, 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 you know, which way, which way you want to go, you know. I would like to talk about the the first the undercard the undercard you know the first three fights on the pay per view the undercard uh, you had Adam Adam Kowanowski versus uh, Robert Helen Helenis you want to go with that because we had a lot to say about that fight as well while we were watching that fight it was really good Chef Dan what's your what do you oh I wanted to first uh, attack the uh, Jared Anderson versus uh, Vladimir Tershkin. Ter- Oh yeah, we wanted to go that, upwards. That, that, yeah, yeah. That was actually the first fight. You're right. You're right. Um, Jared Anderson versus Vladimir Tershkin. 
Jared Anderson was very, very impressive. Got the second round TKO. Um, he just, he was so like, <laughs> Vladimir really came in the fight and he had, he had belief in his power and he had belief that he could end it all in one shot. And so with the one shot, he kind of said, you know what, if I can, you know, let go of my defense enough to bait him in, then I can get that one shot off. But Jared Anderson was just, he was so good. Like he, he knew about like, he, like, especially when you're fighting a fighter that has great power, you got to first, first take advantage of range. First take advantage of making them try and overextend themselves. See if they feel like, you know, they can, you know, if they have to, you know, overwork and just get the, get the power shot off at a range that they didn't feel before. Because the more you throw it out of your range, the more tired you get, the more you leave yourself susceptible to counters. And that's what Jared Anderson understood. And so he just used the range correctly, used his footwork correctly, danced around Vladimir, and whenever he could, just landed, pop, 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 just peppered him up. When he got to the second round and he started, like, getting more confident, like, hey, I can really, I can touch you and not get touched. I can touch you and not get touched. He goes, you know what? He got him in the corner. Said, let me, let me, let me give him something. And then, Kev, you take it from here, man. You take it from uh, right there in that corner, right there what he did corner, to him. He just, he just KO'd him, knocked him out. I mean, just standing on, on a standing knockout. To be honest with you, it was a standing knockout. Referee, you know, one of the rare standing knockouts. The referee just had to stop. You know, it was just too much onslaught. You know, he didn't want to. He didn't go down. I give that uh, Turskin credit. He didn't go down, and, and but he was taking unnecessary punches um, in that corner. Good, good job on on, on uh, Kenny Bayless for stopping the fight. Uh, um, um, you know, and like he did a good experienced referee that he was. He jumped in and and, and he saw a TKO. He saw a fighter that was a, a standing knockout, knocked out while standing up. You know, and phenomenal, phenomenal, and all and all these three, all these cards before the Tyson Wilder Fury were all featured heavyweights. You know, besides the under, the under the prelims, which we I didn't have, I didn't watch it, so I and I didn't get to see the results. So I apologize for not giving you the full results. But if we didn't watch it, didn't see it, um, watching the UFC and preparing for a watch along, we're not going to speak about it because it wouldn't be fair to give you our our true essence. You know, we we're not a copy and paste program. We can give you. Our, our point of view and trying to be as factual as possible, but it's our point of view when we want to give it to you guys. So hopefully you guys will respect that and and and, and go forward with that because we can just pretend that we saw it, but well, we know we're not like that. That then you know what we we just run as well just shut off and not be real and just you know don't don't even bother doing this. So we want to give you our point of view and our thoughts from the truth. And and that fight, you know, that's why I said Kenny Bayless was phenomenal stopping that fight as a referee. And you really don't hear you hear the referee always in the negative part of boxing, you know, or you know he he didn't see a knockdown or he did terrible. No, we have to also give the good and the bad, and we got to give the roses to the referee for stopping that and and, and not allowing uh, Vladimir to get unnecessary punches or damages going forward. It's too been too many injuries or too many deaths in the ring, not just in boxing but also in bare knuckle fighting as well. Rest in peace and 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 and, and, on, and all combat sports. So. I'm glad that's why the points of the referee and you have to give you know kudos to to that to the Kenny Bayless for stopping that TKO fight and man what a good fight to open up the card it was very exciting it was very good you know you that's what you're expecting from heavyweight you're expecting knockouts you're expecting fireworks the big heavy hand one punch could turn the fight in in 360 and and we go on to the next fight that we that I mentioned a little earlier Robert Hilaeus 
uh, um, defeats Adam uh, Kornacki. 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 Kornacki from Brooklyn. Um, he's also, you know, a Polish descent, but from Brooklyn, New York. Adam went in there. Um, uh, what's your thought? What's your thoughts? I know where we thoughts are, but what's your thoughts of, of Robert? I know Robert left you a real impression. Um, um, let the audience know how we spoke about it, but I definitely would like to hear you uh, reiterate that impression you received. Um, I was very impressed. But, you know, as a fight fan, you kind of want to see more. And so with more, you kind of have certain critiques. Robert Hellenus was a very, very smart fighter. This fight, it went, I believe it went six rounds. Yes. It went six of the 12 rounds. But the entire six rounds, it was Robert Hellenus's fight completely. And he controlled every aspect of it. I'm going to start off from the first round where he decided to blitz Adam Kovnaki. Like, just really blitz him and land certain shots that Adam was just not ready for. And I believe um, I believe for Helenus, it was the right hand that kept uh, peppering up um, Kovnaki because his left eye got swollen really badly. And that right hand, he just kept touching it. Just whenever he, you know... The left hand really couldn't do much for him, but whenever he had something to fall, he needed something to fall back on. He just threw the right hand and it just landed and hit Adam every time. It, he, the way he went about it was first round, I'll blitz you. I'll hit you with something I know I can hit you with and then I'll keep the momentum there. Then from round two on, he decided I'll back away. I'll just back away and let you come forward. And from then on, I'll be, I'll counter punch you. I'll, you know, whenever you come in, I'll just have the fist right there. So you're running into it. I don't have to waste that much energy. And so that was what he proceeded to do. Um, I, I was, I was critical of Adam Kovnaki's corner because what I didn't want was that Around a certain around a certain round, it felt like Adam didn't have anything for Robert, and so this is a moment where you just have to throw in the towel. But they decided not to, and so with Adam's vision compromised, he's throwing punches in certain places where he feels like he may land, but he lands in the wrong spot. He kept landing the low blow, and then they disqualified him for the low blow. But in my opinion, I felt like that was a corner's um. That was a corner's mismanagement completely. I felt like when they saw his eye was swollen shut, when you have the doctor continuously looking at him and starting to ask these questions, things of that nature, and you see your fighter has no response. He doesn't even have a way to, you know, he doesn't even have a way to make you believe like there's a way to get out of the round. You were supposed to throw in the towel. Let him be angry at you and all that, but you were supposed to throw in the towel. And that was corner mismanagement there. Um, Kev, what were your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, yeah, the corner mismanagement was totally was perfect. You know, I think it went one round too many before, you know, the referee actually stopped it for the, the you know, low blow. That's the third low blow of the fight. And like you said, where, where Robert Hales uh, came out there and just – he, he when once you this is what I was talking about and we'll break that down with the main event. Uh, one of the keys to the victory was your jab, snapping the jab and getting and getting the eye confusion immediately on your opponent. 
once you have the eye contusion, you just keep working and you're snapping punches, even if you're just putting glove on the eye. Or even if you're not landing with power, but just putting the glove and irritate and let the leather burn on the skin. And that's what's going to cause that welt. And then the, and that's going to open up. And uh, Adam fought hard, though. Adam really fought hard after the, after the eye contusion around the third, second, third round. You know, he woke up. He tried to charge. And like you said, you know, Robert was counterpunching. And he's like, oh, you're bull rushing. But you know what? You can really not see me that well. well I'm gonna, and he was just, like you said, just putting, sticking his glove out to the eye on a counter. And that all just kept doing was swinging and puffing up the eye more and more and more. You know, and, and the corners should have seen that. Although, although Adam has some, you know, he has power. He has some, he had a knockout ability. He had 13 uh, knockouts coming into that fight, you know, and he has, you know, he has, and you always, he had, a, he had more than a puncher's chance because he really knocked his opponents out. I think this corner got misled with that and said, you know what? Well, my guy needs just one, one good solid punch to, to give it to Alanis and he's going to put him to sleep. And they were banking on that. But I think after the fifth, when you got to the, when they sat to that conclusion of the fifth round, the, the corner should have said, you know what, we'll fight another day, kid. You, your eye is this bad. You know, we don't need you to take a necessary punch to the head, um, concussion, and, and P, you know, uh, PTS and all that other good stuff. Dude. Just to protect you, we're going to throw in the towel here. You know, you know what, let's call it. You know, let's get your eye fixed. Let's get ready. We'll go back to the drawing board. Um, you got a lot of knockout talent. You, you're, you're uh, you know. And we'll work on it, but they didn't, and referee stopped it on that um, the third and final, you know, low blow. Uh, and you know, at that time, it's like you said, provisional vision couldn't see well. Thought he was hitting in the midsection, but you know, his eye and he was hitting. It was blatant low blows. You know, it wasn't te- intentional. It was accidental, but the eye because of his vision impairment. So good, good call there, the referee to stop that fight. Um, good fight for Hilarious. Um, he really put on um, open up a little eyes here. Um, you know. He would have liked to gotten the knockout completely, even though it comes down as a, you know, a TKO. But it really was because of the referee low blow. But he did do enough damage to warrant that TKO by close by just closing the guy's left eye completely. And that's what you got to do in boxing. Smart, smart tactics. Um, a smart that was a smart veteran fight, if you ask me. Once you see the eye confusion, and that's why I, I was calling that as one of the keys to the fight later in the main event. And we'll break that down. But before the main event, we had the co-main event sandwich in between there. And it was Frank Sanchez versus Ife Agubaya. Agubaya. No, F.A. Ajagba. Ajagba. See, uh, it pronounced yeah. it, guys. Uh, you know, you tell me you put a Ramirez, a, 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 a Torres, a, a Gutierrez. <laughs> I could throw that. But, uh, you know, I apologize for that. <laughs> it's cool. It's all good. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I got Chef Dan cracking up here, the chat cracking up. So, so what's your thoughts on that one, man? I, you know what? I'm gonna go first on this one with the Frank. Sanchez. Yeah, go ahead. You know, Frank Sanchez was so much quicker, countering, and his hand speed, and he was really good. But Afi really fought a good fight despite losing. You know, either way, it gave them. He got in 11 rounds in, you know, he got in some rounds and, and he got in all, all 12 rounds in and he got work fighting. And it, and it was just, uh, it's a learning, a learning experience for Ife going forward. And if he wants to be, you know, in the heavyweight division, knowing how to cut the ring off. And it's good that he fought a faster fighter in this one. So when he fights, so he knows what speed and techniques he needs to work on. 
So when he fights the heavier heavyweights in the division, it's going to be my, oh, I could cut the ring off quicker. I, you know, I learned from my mistake for Sanchez. This, in despite of a loss, it's a teaching moment that's going to benefit Ife going forward, in my opinion, because he's going to now, you know, oh, I know how to cut the ring off. I fought a quicker fighter, an agile fighter. Who let's Frank, let's let's um Frank Sanchez, although he's a heavyweight, really fought like like a cruiserweight, you know, light heavyweight move. The way he moved around there with his hand speed counter and moving some side to side and, and like wow. And I think that's a teaching moment for Efe um, going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if Efe next fight comes out and just wins. You know, I don't know. I, I didn't get to see what kind of knockout power Efe has. We, we shall see in the next fight. But with that, it's a teaching moment is how to cut the ring. And I think that with that said, I think, you know, well-deserved no, now well-deserved win for Frank Sanchez. He did so much more. You know, he countered. He, he punched. He got in. We did Everything that he wanted to accomplish was there for him combinations in and out get you know wasn't really tattooed wasn't hit that hard of uh, good defense but all in all it was a good fight despite the fact oh it was a it was a, a unanimous decision you know um oh and he dominated some fights but it was a good fight all in all Dan what's your thoughts on that I completely agree with you a hundred percent this is a learning mess uh moment for FA Jogba because you went in there with a champion I don't know if this fight was scheduled for what it was or if someone uh, stepped in last moment had to look into that. No, this fight was scheduled for what it was. So um, this was a completely learning moment for F.A. Jagba because you, um, man, this is all about defense, footwork, and pace. All three of these things made the fight for his opponent. And and when I say defense, footwork, and pace, Frank Sanchez was able, as far as pace, weaponizing pace, he was quicker than F.A., so he knew when to slow it down, when to speed it up. That already confuses him, right? right. Footwork. Vastly better footwork than F.A., to a point where F.A. just kept chasing him. It, you know, it, it, it to some people, it might look like a walk down. But if you're smart enough and you're watching the way the punches are thrown, he's chasing him, throwing at air, missing. And then defense. You can't you can't get so frustrated when you but man, all right. You can't get so frustrated when you're missing that you decide to gamble everything. And within gambling, you decide to, you know, abandon defense and you leave yourself susceptible to things. But F.A. walked into the matchup with that mindset. He kind of wasn't about defense. It was more so I'm more confident in my power so I can land it. The issue with these power fighters is they have to learn. You're going to get frustrated. You have to know yourself to know. If you know you have that power and you're not landing, you're going to get frustrated. So what you should do is be learning how to set up. It's set up, set up, set up, set up, set up. So now you got to go to defense, footwork, pacing. Your footwork cannot be linear. You have to be sidewalking to cut off the ring, exactly like you said. F.A. has to learn how to cut off the ring. With pace, he has to learn to weaponize pace now. You're walking around like a slow, lumbering uh, uh, heavyweight, but you have a really quick jab. You have a really quick, even your power shots are really quick. 
Learn to weaponize the pace. If your punches are that fast, learn when to slow it down, when to speed it up. You can throw someone off kilter. But then third and most importantly is defense. If you're not taking shots, it leaves you fresher to to throw out more shots. And these are the three things he has to learn. And so when he watches that tape, if he doesn't take those three things away, you know, his next fight may end up differently. But if he does and takes those three things in the right combination to win, you're not looking to master them. You're just looking to get a good enough understanding so you can combine those three enough to that your next fight you look like a different fighter it's all the more better for him and so that's what he had to take away this is a completely learning experience he got out schooled completely right right and with that said you know when you also you know what he should corner should also if you got a fighter who's agile who's moving quick and it's moving with quick pace and you know he's going to fight quicker it's okay when you to clinch, and when you clinch, you gotta hit the hips. Punch those hips. Punch those hips, those side of hips, the legs, so you don't. So the fighter that has a, an advantage on you with speed and quicker footwork, if you're hitting and you're making his legs heavier by pounding them on a clinch, or when you you know, and, and you 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 get you get you allowed to sneak in those punches to the legs and to the the hip area, that's gonna benefit you down the road. You know, those are those are tactics within the tactics of a fighter that they learn. That comes with experience. That comes with experience being in the fight in the in the fight game and, and so forth with, with with more fights under his belt. And maybe you know, maybe a corner uh, shake up or, or 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 let's hope the corner goes to the move to videotape, watches it, and picked up on those on those tactics. So I, I don't I didn't I forgot I mentioned I forgot to really make an emphasis on who was his corner uh, to see who you know going forward. But I will definitely keep an eye on him. Uh, um, and even in defeat, you know, even in defeat, to keep an eye on him and see if he makes any changes with his corner, he gets with, you know, just think of him get with a Freddie Roach. Oof, that's going to get on. Oh, uh, you know. yes. Yeah. Yes, because that, I, yeah. I agree with you there completely because he, it seemed like he didn't know of any other way to win the fight. And we like, it's especially like if you're watching, I don't know how else to say it, man, you you're the you're the co-main event to the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight. Like Tyson Fury showed you, there's multiple ways to win a fight, and so um you know you're right there. Dirty boxing, resort to dirty boxing, the punches and the clinches and all the things. But this is a question I wanted to ask you. You know to retort that okay. is that what we um I I, I want to make a note of this is that all the referees and you made a note of this during the night. Majority of the referees throughout the event, they were not trying to watch a clinch and dirty boxing matchup. They, whenever they saw clinching, they jumped right in there. Hey, break it up, break it up. And so now, when you have a referee who's not really letting the clinch stay, you know, like that, would you have still gone for that tactic? Well, all referees in all fights, they don't allow, they don't really allow the clinching. I know what you mean. But they were going to emphasize of separation. You still do it because that's not illegal. Still, that's still legal, or until the referee gives you a warning. You know, you 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 know, you got to keep pushing the boundaries of it. And if the referee you know warns you, even a second warning, then you stop. You know, but you know, but but you you have to with time learn how to punt, hit those hips. You know, in those clinches, and and that's why you know I, I wanted to bring that up with the clinching part with the with the heavyweight fight. So. All in all, before we go into the, I mean, the main event, excuse me, they were all heavyweight fights, but into the main event. But all in all, 
we should see what where Frank Sanchez go from here after that victory, and what Ife goes from here after you know his defeat. I think you know I was impressed with Ife. Sanchez was okay, was good, but I don't know if he has sustainability to stay in the heavyweight division. Maybe he might have to go down to cruiserweight and and dominate cruiserweight because I don't think he has the power for to dominate as a heavyweight fighter. But we could be wrong. We've seen guys that with less power and just great boxing actually win um, dominating in the heavyweight. Still down to Holyfield was one, you know, phenomenal fighter, you know, that won titles, uh, you know, not that much. He had, he had heavyweight power, the knockout power, but he was more known as, as a boxer, boxer of, of a heavyweight division, you know, who got box you and, and, you know, with speed and, and, you know, combination like that. So we shall see that what you, before we move on to the main event, the heavyweight, um, what's your what's your thoughts on that one with Frank Sanchez? What do you think he goes from there? You know, what do you see there, and and what's your thoughts on both fighters? Um, like you said, it's gonna be interesting for FA for Frank. He's just gonna heal up and um, defend the title again. He has that title, so he's just gonna heal up. Uh, I I believe it's the Continental Americas heavyweight title. So um, yeah, he's just he's just gonna heal up with box with boxers. You know they um. The layoff is lengthy. Yeah, it is. So we don't. We'll probably. It's it's November. Well, it's uh, October right now. We probably won't see Frank for another year or so. So it is what it is. Or, may, or maybe we might get him by June. You know, the summer the summer fights that that comes up in June or or I don't think May. Although maybe May if if depending how the, the continental uh, division um, uh, heavyweight. Mandatories, you know, maybe because this is it is it is in the WBO or WBC or IBF type of uh, fight title. They might have a mandate where he has to fight every four months or six months, you know, to defend that title. We don't we we, we don't know on that. We shall see on that one. And uh, yeah, so we see where we go from there. And then of, of course, everyone, the main event, the big spectacular of, of the the big card, Tyson Fury, uh, Delante Wilder, the third fight. Of the trilogy, you know, the first fight ended as a draw. The second fight, Tyson Fury TKO Wilder, and um, wow, what a good fight! Um, you know, it took if you it took you back to it was like a time machine to the '70s fight. You know, it, it, I'm not saying it's in that level of Ali Frazier, Foreman Frazier. It's not. I'm not saying it's that level, but there was knocked out. There were guys being knocked down. Um, both fighters got knocked down. Tyson Fury was inches away of getting TKO, in my opinion, you know, um, himself with that 10, he even got a 10-7 round, Fury did, I mean, uh, a Wilder got a 10-7 round in that, um, and all in all, what a great fight, uh, what a main, you know, main event, it put on the show, um, Chef Dan, where you want to break it there, let, um, first, before before we even, I give you, let you go in there, all night through the watch along, I'll make this real brief, was I was saying, you know, with the very first fight with the head, it was all heavyweight card, and I said, hmm, I thought about it and I came to my sense and I said, let's keep an eye on the referees, the emphasis of the referees with the clinching. Because a lot of times, you know, the main iterate, the reason why I brought that up was uh, Tyson Fury was supposed to be coming in at 290 to 280 pounds of weight. And uh, Wilder's usually fights around 230. And it was going to be almost close to a 60 pound disparity. And because uh, while uh, Fury wanted to purposely use his weight to tire uh, Wilder's legs in the clinch, leaning his body weight on him, so and it made him and wear him down. So I figured the referees were going to be emphasizing a quick break as soon as they clinch right away, jumping in there and separating. And I kept saying that all through the broadcast 
um, all night. Keep an eye on the referees and different fights and so forth. And that's why we brought that point up to the to the main card here. We wild and fury, and uh, fury came in at two hundred and seventy seven pounds, and and uh, wilder two hundred and thirty eight. So it was like a close to a thirty pound difference there. Not the not the not the sixty pound disparity that was being rumored. But all in all, Chef Dan, now I'll let you go. And there's glad. Thank you for letting me elaborate this a little bit longer. I want you. No, those those details were definitely needed. Um, this was an exciting fight through and through. Uh, very exciting, very action packed. We saw both fighters um, score multiple knockdowns. We, Tyson Fury ended up winning the fight via TKO in, I believe, which round was it? The 11th, 11th. 11th round. So it almost went the full distance. And Deontay Wilder showed the heart of a champion through and through. After Tyson Fury got that first knockdown, things were starting to look bleak for Wilder. We didn't know, you know, it was looking like, you know, uh, Tyson Fury was going to take over the fight through and through. But then Wilder, lit, like, like he said, man, he only has to be perfect for about two minutes. And in that round, we saw him have that ability. You said it, man. If... If the clock, I don't know, man, if the clock just stopped and let the referee count, and then after the referee finishes the count, you let the clock presume from where the referee stops, Deontay may have had a chance to finish it in that round right there. Like, he had the chance, but, you know, time time was taken from him, and then he had to start fresh from a new round. Um, Tyson Fury showed excellent he showed an excellent chin, excellent strategy. He was, you know, uh, a better boxer through and through as far as the technique and and, and whatnot. Uh, Deontay Wilder had power. Um, Tyson Fury, to me, man, it wasn't that he had surprising power, but he has the uh, uh, the mantra of punches and bunches. And right. so when one hits, he's going to throw two and three and four and five. So what I think for me, it, you know, it wasn't more so like the power that, you know, surprised me about Tyson Fury was that the volume that he was able to land and you saw the disparity in the volume all throughout the night as you know Tyson Fury's numbers started to climb up more and more but it wasn't for a lack of you know a, a damage or anything because whenever Deontay landed he did have some damage um man do I have any revisions on the fight if there's anything I would have wished Deontay would have done more because um, Russ was on, on the watch with us as well. And he made this mention was that Deontay Wilder does not look, look good backing up and he doesn't. And the only thing I would have wished for was that if he, instead of backing up and I know boxers are, are known for doing this, you can use the shoulder as a weapon, not to, you know, just throw it at the person, but instead of backing up, you I want him I wanted him to go into the you know the shell. You lower your stance a little and you throw that shoulder when Tyson Fury decides to come forward. You know you shove him off, gain some distance, and then you can use your range because he because of his long arms he has to fight at a longer range. And we even noticed that that when Tyson Fury decided to go in for the clinch. And that the referees came in to separate it. As soon as the referees separated the clinch, Deontay Wilder threw the one-two because that was the range he was comfortable at. So the only thing I could say was if there was a way that he knew to create his own range, that would have maybe changed the complexion of the fight. But through and through, all in all, 
very impressive fight. What was your breakdown, uh, Kev? Yeah, with with that, with what you said about that, uh, the clinching and with the shoulder, you know, he 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 didn't, and I and I mentioned that from the very beginning. If everyone that know, if you know me for for either breaking down the MMA programs or or my boxing takes, I'm always a big proponent. Always your your biggest success, especially a guy like Dewante Wilder or any, is your jab. If you could jab, 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 uh, I'm, a, I, you know, you could call me uh, instead of broad Jedi, you call me jab Kevin, or, you know, jab Jedi because I, I'm a big proponent of the jab. And I mentioned that with the first fight, with with, with the Adam, the Adam fight, um, Adam uh, Konaki and and the Robert Hilaeus, you know, with the eye contusion. Wilder needs to set up and and, and set up the jab, start the jab, and try to get a welt under Fury's eye somewhere, some forth. And then when he wants to clinch, you know, just bridge, bridge and and that's hey. That's part of boxing, you know. That those are tactics that it in um, and it might not be. It might say it might be dirty or whatever. That's part of the fight. If he goes for a clinch and he has a welt in his eye, just stick your head, your 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 top of your head, right on that welt for the eye. Whoa, yeah, hey! Because I was saying this, man. I wanted to look. I it may sound like we're caping for Wilder, but like I said, man, uh, uh, Tyson Fury when he throws a lot of those punches. The referee can't stop it if a lot of them land on the ear. And we see Deontay Wilder is leaving the ring. This is all three times he's left the ring with Tyson Fury. His ears are bleeding. I'm glad you mentioned that, Dan. Those are, yeah. those are rabbit punches, and those punches disorientate a person. Correct. And so now we see it like Deontay Wilder looks different from any other fighter that lands punches on him, even on, on the head area, things of that nature. When he fights Tyson Fury, he looks disorientated. His jaw hangs, things of that nature. Like, if he wants to fight, you know, throwing those rabbit punches, who, like, you know, the referee can't stop you if he decides to come in for a clinch. Like you say, you close up. Uh, you know, you don't throw the shoulder of the head, but make sure it's there when he meets you. Right. That's a tactic. And I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, Tyson Fury wasn't the powerful puncher as as uh, Wilder, but he knew where to, where to land those punches. He, and, you know, all his knockdown was right in the ear lobe of, of Wilder. That disorients you. You try to get uh, – uh, 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 you lose your balance. You lose your equilibrium when you get punched. You know, even if you just get, even if you do a clap to your ears, you know, that disorients you. You know, you hear the buzzing, the bzzz, and you hear, you know, you're, you're, you know, you, you lose focus. It's near the brain and all that loud noise. The eardrum is palpitating. He started bleeding through his eardrum. And when he was landing the punches right in the right area to knock down Wilder and TKO him because it wasn't the power. It was, like you said, high volume, but where he was hitting the high volume, right in the ear, the earlobe, and, and he was bleeding through his ear. You know, at the end of the fight and during the fight and so forth, and that's not you know busted uh, eardrum. That's not fun. You know, you know you you're you're hearing that you know pull 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 pull. You know, it's not like a heartbeat right in your in your ear, and it's gonna drive your 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 eye your head nuts. Um, go ahead, Dan. I know you have to. See no, it. I want to look. It, it's just kudos to because you said it. This is, and we respect someone. This is someone I want to mention, not to just you know change sports, but just to liken it gain a similarity why do we like kevin holland so much what is what's one of the reasons that we like kevin holland is when he's in there striking especially let's say he gets grappled what's one of the first things he does he takes his open hand and starts slapping the uh opponent's ear just slapping it there's two reasons why he's doing that 
it's like one to just keep damage, keep, you know, damage. But number two, when he's cupping his hand like that, he has a pocket of air here. And so he's forcing that pocket of air into someone's eardrum. He's potentially disrupting their equilibrium. So now when they get right back to striking with him, they're not all the way on their P's and Q's. Like what they could, they, they might feel like, and what, you know, if you guys hopefully watch the uh, Chrissy Martin documentary on um, Netflix, she even said it when she was disorientated at one point, she felt like she was throwing punches like on sideways. Because when you get so disorientated, like your equilibrium is off. And so these are the things that happen. And so, you know, to just liken it right back there to this boxing ring, that's one of the weapons that Tyson Fury has is being able to land the punches on the ear to disorientate his opponent. Yeah, and I think that that's what caused got him his victory there. Besides, not that just there, that's what got the knockdown. Because, but he was the more the more uh, volume puncher and the more you know fighter. He fought, he fought, he fought. He fought he, a fighter's fight. He fought, a, he he outboxed Wilder. You know, where, despite with the three knockdowns, uh, the two knockdowns in that ten seven round. And I, I and just to I think I have the judges scorecard. I'll put it up there in a minute. I do have it. I, I did provide that there. And for those that are watching us. Um, via YouTube and, and all the uh, video platforms, I have the scorecard there, and you can see the scorecard. You know, he and and you know, and he was, and you see that he was up 90, 90 to ninety eight. If you if you that before the TKO there, and uh, you see that the, while the judges were scoring it, and and he was winning, he was winning that fight, Fury, because he he was the better boxer in my opinion, but the the power puncher was was Wilder. And those punches to the ears just, just like you said, knocked his balance. That's why he looked at like, my God, he looks lost. The first knockdown was one to the ear as well. He got back up from that one. You know, he didn't look the same, but he was still throwing haymakers. He got the matches to get Fury down twice, you know, in a round. And I thought, you know, and I thought, well, man, if he had like another minute, I said, man, he's going to take KO. The referee's going to stop this at TKO and Wilder's going to win this fight. And it just saved, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't happen that way, but. All in all, what a great fight! All in all, um, the question of, of everyone, you know, I, I don't like, you know, it's a criticism to certain platform. Um, actually, not even a platform. It's a sports radio network for you know on on, on CBS, you know, um, the morning show and FAN. They they didn't even report the right the right. They didn't went to report the right information. Wilder didn't take an interview not because he was a sore loser. Um, it's it, because he he. Uh, when he didn't get interviewed because he went to the hospital, he was bleeding through his eardrum. They went to take him and take care and check, you know, a, a, a neurologist, you know, and, and head doctor and all, you know, because that that's some serious knockdown like that and bleeding. And he wasn't even cohesive. So, you know, to put bright lights, you know, you want to put bright lights of a camera in, in front of this man where he might be concussed or, or, or busted eardrum and you don't know what's ringing in his brain or what's going on. They had to take him out um, to the hospital immediately. Yeah. On top of the fact that the stadium is ringing with noise, yeah. and so you have a busted eardrum on top of all that noise, like you even you see it even like with with you know even smaller venues with raucous arenas, like if a baby is in there, you know the parents nowadays nine times out of ten they're gonna put you know uh, protective earmuffs on the baby because the baby's eardrum structurally it cannot take that damage and so when you have a grown man who just came out of a, a battle a war this was a war 
and he's bleeding out of his ears, the last thing you want to do is make him more susceptible to damage that isn't even about fighting. Like, it's just asking him what's next to that. You can always ask him that. The, the same questions that you were going to ask him right after the matchup, you could always ask him a day after, two days, three days, even a month after. He might even give you better answers between the la the night that he got the matchup and a month from now. But he, he had to leave because he had to get that taken care of. His health was primary. Right, and it wasn't because he was a sore loser. It was just, it's a health issue, a health and safety issue. You know, let's face it. We had too many, we have too, one death is too many. And we have, you know, plenty of deaths in the ring. And uh, we can't have this. We, you know, they, we want, we want to be entertained. Yes. We like that, and we can be, you know, we want to see them fighting and violence, but we also want to make sure they get home to their families safe and sound as, as much as possible in one piece. So we can't be hypocritical, you know, and like, oh, you know, why didn't give him an interview? Well, you know, we make sure he, he his health is more important first. So we, with that said, with that there, you know, kudos to, to Wilder to, to Wilder for battling, for being a warrior in there, going the 11 rounds. Unfortunately, you know, he got TKO'd um, and Fury. Salute to him. You know, he he won that fight, um, made himself known as right now the best heavyweight in boxing currently right now. You know, um, you know, he he won that trilogy fight. You know, we shall know see what's next for him for for Fury. What we don't know what's next for him, what's in store for him. And we shall see what goes for him. You know, there's plenty of there. He's gonna keep an eye on the fight between um, Joshua and, and Yuchik. Yuchik is, is his name. Um, check, yep. Yuchik. Um and, and uh to see if they, you know, if they would they finally get that fight going, um, that fight could be put next December if you ask me, um, because the Joshua and and Uchek fight will probably be March or or May, and maybe December they could turn it around to December, you know, right before you know Christmas time, you know, people have money to, to want to buy gifts, they might have money to pay for a pay per view and so forth, and they they you know they you know you could see that happening, so we shall see on that how boxing is. It behooves boxing not to stall it, um. Give the fans what we need because UFC is climbing on there and they're on your back and, and you know giving us the fight. So you know we, we you, the, hopefully the numbers show the boxing world uh, the promoters that we want to see heavyweight action. We loved it. We 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 were excited. We were captivated. We couldn't stop talking about it. Um, and we were looking forward all all afternoon to see that that fight. So hopefully that's something going forward that the world of uh, professional boxing sees that. And captivates and and don't lose the momentum you built here with this fight. What's your thoughts on that, Dan? I agree with you completely. Um, but what was more so interesting to me was after the fight, I already knew what Tyson Fury was gonna do. The more the, I had more questions about what Deontay Wilder was gonna do. I I don't know what his uh, path is he, from here. Um, I don't know. Do you do you try and go to uh, uh, another? Do you try and take another belt out of another organization per se so that if Tyson Fury does want to um, unify all heavyweight titles that he has to meet you again? Uh, do you retire here? I mean, I don't know. what. Do, is there a class of, of competition that can help Deontay Wilder get better? That's, I don't know. I, I It's, like we said, they, certain questions got answered but with these answers comes more questions. And so with Tyson Fury, we know he's going to be patient. He's going to be watching the Anthony Joshua um, use check 
uh, fight to see how that goes down. He may defend the title once more in between there just to keep active, you know, just because he, he's a madman like that and he loves boxing. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what goes on for Deontay Wilder, but I'm interested to see. I've always been a fan. I'll continue to be a fan. These two losses do not deter me from being a fan of his because he just simply lost to a guy that's very, very good that we see on the way to make history with the titles. And if he wasn't going to be the one to make the history, Deontay was. You know, it's just that boxing stalls so much. So I'm just, you know, I'm interested to see there. Right. Like you said, me personally, I am a bronze bomber fan. I'm a big fan of Anthony Wilder, uh, excuse me, Wilder, Deontay Wilder. Big fan of him. I wanted to see him against Anthony Joshua, but well, for for me personally, what's next for Deontay Wilder? Um, only he could tell how he's recovered from those punches to the ears and that drum, ear drum. You know, if that's something going forward. If he if he's gonna get hit there in later fights, is it gonna affect him? His equilibrium is it equilibrium gonna be easily unbalanced with a punch to the ear? If that's the case, maybe one more fight, and you're he's 35 years old. You know what, guy? You to me personally, you have nothing to prove. You you've been you was a great American heavyweight. You know you entertain us. You know with those fights, your power, un, un, undeniably powerful heavyweight I've seen in a while since Tyson, maybe from the American side of, of boxing. Uh, you know, and like wow, phenomenal. And if you if he hangs it up, I'm I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be okay. I'll be okay with it. I'm okay with it. You know, I would love to see him continue fighting. But 35 years old, walk out on your own power. You know, you got knocked down. You have a young daughter. You know, and with a wife that special needs, young daughter. You know what? They they're gonna need you around. Be smart with your money. Um, um, be smart. Um, make it. You know, and just you know the best of you know. Go go out there with your health. In my opinion, on that. Now for Fury's case, there have been rumors. Uh. uh is that Ruiz already called him out? He already called him out and said, We'd like to fight. Maybe he'll take that fight in between sandwich to see the winner uh, of the Joshua fight. And you check, we should see. But, you know, don't fall asleep on Ruiz fighting uh, 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 Fury. You know, like I always said, styles make fight. And I think Fury's style was going to beat um, Wilder's uh, fight. You know, I picked that. I picked that before that fight. Where my, my where I told Austin my thoughts of it. I said, you know, Fury's gonna win at the night of the fight. I kind of went with emotions, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take a Wilder because I'm a big, huge fan of him. You know, and I and I went with emotions instead of logic or what I know about or what I see with my eyes. You know, and, and I said, you know what, I'll change. Let me change the last second to be different. But I, I you know, I, I didn't want it. I didn't want to be. I'm like, you know, I wanted it just. Just went by, by by emotions instead of actually what I know about, you know, the little knowledge of boxing that I knew, I, I should have went with that. I knew Fury was going to win. I didn't think he was going to win on a knockout. That I am surprised. I didn't know the TKO was going to come again. You know, I, I you know I was surprised with that. I thought he was going to beat him with a unanimous decision, in my opinion. I thought it was going to go the distance, unanimous decision. If Fury won and if Beyonce Wilder was going to win, I thought exactly what he had that 10-7 round. I thought he was going to get that TKO. I said, man, that's what I thought. I envisioned. That was the path that saw Wilder winning. With that said, um, we'll put that. We'll pull a poll question on the on the YouTube channel. Um, make sure you check it out. Um, and for all you fight fans, enthusiastic, uh, we'll find out what direction do you want to see Wilder, and we'll you know put out there, and we'll hear your thoughts, and we'll, we'll display that next next program, or or we'll leave it for two weeks, and we'll we'll let it marinate, and we'll see. Or Fury, how who do you want to see Fury fight next? If you're a boxing fan enthusiast, and uh, um, 
also those that are in a podcast listening to us, you could also write your answer to uh, bxjedi76 at gmail.com. Uh, that's bx76 at gmail.com. What's your thoughts on who would you like to see Fury fight? What directions he would like to go to? Or, or uh, what should Deontay Wilder do next? Should he retire? Should he, you know, take a, take some time, you know, of course, recover, the proper recovery and, and just fight, you know, come back and fight one more, two more fights, see where he's at, how he looks, and then he makes a decision. Um, it'll be interesting to see what your guys' thoughts with that. With that, um, Dan, Chef Dan, well, let's let's uh, let's get the final ten count so we can finish the the the, the ring the this round of uh, MMA talk tonight. What's let's let me give you your your final blows going there. Um. Ooh, uh, we're gonna have a lot to talk about, and with the addition of the podcast form, what I want to say is that. Last week, we did say five new fights have been announced. Um, the way that the network is going now, we're in a direction where we're going to release little videos here and there to just give you guys our thoughts. And we just more so love for our viewers and the fans to just chime in back us, uh, chime in chime in with us. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to have a back and forth with the fans. You know, it it's us three here. We have our own separate of opinions, but as we start to get to know each other more and more, it, it we, we become the, we, we begin to know what the other is starting to think. So having a fresh new uh, uh, face or a fresh new ideas, just someone to throw a curveball into the uh, mix is, it w- would be fun. So it, it's just a, a plea out there to to all the fans, you know, come join in, be more active with us. We'd love for your takes and love for your interaction with us. And yeah, that's my final take there. Oh, well said there. Um, I that was well said, Dan. Um, yeah, please, if you guys, anyone, any panelists that want that that MMA enthusiastic, boxing enthusiastic, that wants to, you know, come on, let us know. You know, you you know, we we do come on live Thursdays at eight most of the time. Uh, tonight, it's it's this uh, full disclosure is pre recorded. Due to the work schedules and, and obligations, or we are recorded, uh, and and, and it's, this is going to go live to the podcast, uh, right to the streams, of course, and all the different platforms. You can listen to us on, on all these platforms: Anchor FM, Spotify, uh, Beanpod, Reason FM, Breenspot. All you have to do is search for Bronx uh, BX, excuse me, BX Sports Jedi Network. That's BX Sports Jedi Network. Put it in, in your search. You know, if you if you want to find us in those different platforms that you subscribe to or know about, hit the hit the like or, or, or subscribe to us on those platforms, and then us just know that you're there, and we'll continue bringing new fresh content, even if it is not directly on video with YouTube. We'll go and sep- make a separate day, and and you know, Chef Dan will do his take, you know, for a couple hours on on Spotify or on on all the different platforms at the same time, and record his take or what he starts, or vice versa, you know. And we'll definitely will love to hear, and anyone in the chat. Anyone, uh, anyone uh, uh, watching this program that wants to be a panelist, um, you're more than welcome. Just find find me. Um, let us know. You could hit us up on all different locations and Twitter. You know, at, at BX Sports Jedi Network. Uh, you could find us at uh, on what's your Twitter handle, Dan? Oh, at Dying Breed eighteen D Y I N G B R E E D eighteen. You can find me there. Um, you know, you, we talk all different types of sports. You know, we, we love the combat sports, but if you want to talk basketball, we're there for basketball. If you want to talk football, we're there for that. You want to talk baseball, Bronx Sports Jedi, more than happy to oblige you. You want to talk hockey, we got that for you. Any and all sports, we're here for it. Wrestling, we got the elbows. Bring up. That's, right. That's right. We've covered all the different sports. That's why it's the network. 
We're a Sports Jedi Network. We cover, you know, they have different programs. Tonight is the MMA program that we, we, we break down in combat sport. Um, we didn't get into the wrestling because we, we're running out of time. So we'll, we'll get into AEW. You know, they're down now. They're, you know, with the, with the playoffs, they moved into Saturday night. And, and for just for the time being, uh, Saturday night, Dynamite and, and, and uh, you know, uh, Austin uh, from the program will be live in a two weeks on the 23rd in Orlando. He will be live in person in the UFC, in the UFC arena, uh, UCF, excuse me, UCF arena, watching AEW live. So he'll give us an update and tell us about that card. And also, you know, we also do uh, the Return of the Knicks basketball podcast, you know, and, and also the, the watch along. We'll do, I will break down live watch along games as well. The, the Major League Baseball with the Yankees watch along. Right now, you know, the season has come to a conclusion. We're all going to have the Yankee uh, roundtable discussion on the state of the emergency, uh, state of the union um, Yankees, where, which, where they go next. We'll have a panel of, uh, of guests, you know, uh, four or five of us, or maybe three, depending on how many want to join to talk about the Yankees. And also we got the basketball as well. Like you said, you know, not just uh, the return of the Knicks. We'll do part of the return of the Knicks. We'll be talking about the NBA NBA in total. We won't just stop on one team. We'll talk about the whole league and, and the ins and outs around the league as well. And we got all this, this different types of football is in full effect. You know, although, you know, we, we, we want to talk about the, the local teams. If you're a New Yorker, you know, and we'll talk about them, you know, what's the upside, and you know, right now. And all around the league, you know, different types of football programs. But we, we cover every different sport as much as possible. But we like we, we definitely want to thank you for your participation and your, your support. Your support is what makes this channel keep going and allows us to continue to promote and, and want to talk about this from a fan to a fan. And thank you, guys, because I remember I started with, with just minimum of subscribers, and now we're at 1.29 subscribers because of you guys in, in less than, what, four months, not even four months. And it keeps growing day by day. And because, you know, we got great guys here that put the work in um, that we, you know, we give you our, our opinions, you know, and try to be as factual as possible. And when we not, when we know it's not facts, then we know we, we, we don't mind being corrected. You know, we you know that's, that's the way, you know, that's, a, uh, that's wisdom. You know, if you know someone who's going to correct you, you could be wise and say, you know what, you know, I was right. You know, you know, I was wrong. You know what? You're right. That was the wrong, I'm not wrong information for me. So I appreciate you, Dan. I appreciate everyone listening and taking the time to come on the pre on the program. And uh, guys, you know, hit that like and subscribe if you're on the video platforms with us, as well as the pod, you know, pod, Podbean and all the different podca uh, podcasts. Um, hit that like and subscribe. Let them know to you know you like what the program, we like what's going on. And if you don't, also let us know what we could do to make it better, to make your experience and your listening better, because that's what we're here. We want to make sure that you guys give you guys gave us your time, your valuable time, and we appreciate you giving us valuable time. And we want to make sure that you're entertained and 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 also know get to learn know something or, or vice versa. We want to get to learn too. We don't know everything either. So we would like to learn from you guys. So we want to hear back feedback from you guys. But this is Bronze Sports Jedi Network saying thank you. Bronze Sports Jedi saying thank you. Chef Dan says thank you. You know, you guys have a blessed night and we'll we'll see you on the next time. And man, I can't wait to to talk with you and may the sports be with you. <laughs>
Mal. 